Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold, joined by my co-host, Ernest Watts. And we've had a nice couple weeks vacation. I've had a little time of sickness, but not COVID. And Ernest has enjoyed life well, right, Ernest? You've seen movies, you've watched sports, you've got Christmas gifts. It's been a good life, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's this is the first time... Yeah, probably, yeah, it's been 25 years. I took two weeks vacation, and uh, it's rough going back to work, but uh, enjoyed it. It still goes by fast. We went from 70-degree days. We first got, we got a first day of winter yesterday, first time it's been below freezing. So oh, be Christmas quiet. Time, be quiet. Christmas time, I had my shorts on and, and tank tops and T-shirts, and now the... I go through that after Christmas depression when I have to take the lights down, but it gets worse. And tonight is the last night of football for three weeks. There's been football on every day except for Christmas Eve, but that's another story. But I digress. What's on tonight? What's on tonight? The Texas Bowl. The Texas Bowl. Kansas City, Kansas State, and uh, LSU. Wow. I'm not going to be watching that. Oh, football. Football's football. I'm ready for the USFL in April. I'm getting ready. I'm just, one, just you know, take six weeks off of football, start back over again. So I'm who's the new owner it. of the New Jersey Generals? They're all owned by uh, Fox. Ah. Fox owns them as an entity. The guy who used to run the Spring League is operating them. For the first year, all the games will be played in Birmingham. You know, with COVID restrictions and all that. And they'll have uh, two weeks and three playoff games. And they'll either be on Fox or NBC, which means USA Network, because NBC Sports is now off the air, or Peacock. Okay. All right. I get Peacock. I get Fox. That's good. That's all right. What? See, you have football. I don't know, but that's March Madness time. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we have March Madness. I'm 50-50 on the Winter Olympics right now. Yeah. Well, before we get to that type of sports, let's talk about some madness that happened this weekend. Um, Antonio Brown showed us a different version of madness on Sunday, and we're not talking John Madness or Madness. We're talking about taking off your shirt, walking off. Um, Your take on his departure from pro football. Well, it's sad to see someone who obviously suffers from familial illness, and that's it. I do find it ironic that he claims he injured his ankle, and that's why he couldn't go in the game. Uh, his ankle looked pretty good while he was marching around the field and doing jumping jacks in the end zone. I find it interesting that stadium crowd thought he was somebody who jumped out of the crowd, and he asked the uh, security and the EMTs to give him a ride back to New York City. And... Uh, he didn't have any cash on him. So he got picked up by Uber and wound up clubbing that night. So this was going to happen. Uh, I mean, this is, this is you know, this, we knew this eventually. It, it, to me, it, uh, this is four coaches that said, we're better off without you. And God bless Mike Tomlin. Not only has he never had a losing season, he could put up with that for 10 years. He should go straight to the Hall of Fame. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, it just I mean, it, somebody it, off his medicine, it, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to join the crowd and and trash him, but, you know, he had the mental problems before. Uh, but see, when he was no longer of value to the Steelers and to the Patriots and to the Raiders and, and to the Buccaneers, they don't care about his help. You know, as long as he can catch a football... He was a commodity. Uh, I didn't quite get that from Bruce Arians and Brady. They they came out and said, we care about him, but, you know, he's got to get his life Brady together. Did. I didn't hear that feeling from Arians. And if they felt that way, they could have put him on the suspended list and required him to seek mental health treatment as part of the Players Association Agreement. So to say... They didn't feel that way. Now, now, Brady has no call on that. He's not the shadow GM by any respect. But if Aaron's really cared about him, he could have suspended him with pay, and they could have required a mental health uh, evaluation. Nope, they cut him. So he was a commodity, and like I said, it never is, it never is useful to see someone have a, a breakdown like that in public. You feel, I mean, you know, you could be the, the crowd and, and trash him and, and talk about past history, but there, there's a serious problem. There. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, but but he's got he's to seek out treatment now. Right. So that was sad and, in one way. Another thing that was sort of sad was seeing Big Ben play his last game in Heinz Field last night. Were you moved at all by that? Uh, maybe in Baker Mayfield's last game in Heinz Field, too. <laughs> You know, that's that's a little bit of a, you know, they say last game at Heinz Field. I got news for you. That's all the Steelers' last game at Heinz Field. The name rights for the field go up next year. And so the stadium will be named something else. Okay, so his last home game for the Steelers. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, yes. At Heinz Field. No, no, last home. He's retiring, man. 18 years is a long time. But all the Steelers will not be returning to Heinz Field. It'll have a different name next year. I, I get, I get it, I get it. You don't want to be sentimental okay. on this one, huh? Uh, he's another one that has some bad history. Uh yeah. I mean, it was it was sad to a certain extent, but uh, you know, his arm retired about three years ago, <laughs> so it's not <laughs> a sentimental, sentimental issue. Thing. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. That's what you think. Uh-huh. Yes, that's what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Have you talked to your wife lately? Yes, yes. That's why I better hope. <laughs> I better watch out. Yeah. All right. Well, so hey. Big Ben, there's no doubt he tried to hang on. But if it wasn't for Brady right now, we would think, gosh, it's so amazing. He stayed with one team for 18 years. But Brady just breaks every stereotype of an old quarterback. Oh, hold on a second. Jose Paul, uh, Aaron Rodgers is calling about staying with the same team for a long time. But- Go ahead. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, he's amazing to play with his broken toe. Uh, he still plays at such a great level, but it just seems like his face looks like an old man now. When I see him put on a helmet and his eyes, and looks like he could say hound dog these days. This is the man bun that ages you a couple of years. The man bun's making him look older. 
and the prospect of marriage that ages every man. Boom, oh. boom, boom, boom. Yeah, your wife is definitely not listening now. No, she's not listening. Uh, I mean, yeah, Brady and Rodgers have been anomalies. You know, when we've seen quarterbacks. And, and you Big Ben. He adapted to his style. He started getting more accurate for short-distance passing. So I'll give him credit. And here's, here's, here's what will blow your mind. In 18 years, he has only played two games in which they were out of playoff contention. Two games out of 18 years. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Brady can't match that. Brady's been in more games where the Patriots were out of playoff contention than Big Ben was been. I mean, you know, he wasn't the most artistic. Uh, he was, I don't think you'll ever have another quarterback like him because now mobility is so important. Uh, and, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any question about it. Right. I agree. I think he's Hall of Famer winning two Super Bowls. You got to get in, I think. So, yeah, so Brady keeps on rolling. You know, in basketball, we talk about um, game management. Like, you know, LeBron doesn't want to play too many games because he'll wear out. In football, there's no such thing. You play every game you can. And Brady's played more probably playoff games than anybody who's currently playing right now. Um, So, once again, I'm just a big fan of that Brady's been able to keep it up and not get majorly injured. We keep on talking about Every quarterback is one injury away. Like, look at Jimmy Garoppolo out in San Francisco. He can't stay healthy. Um, I don't know if Brady has an innate sense of just slipping away at the right moment or what. It's going to be interesting from here on out without Chris Goodwin. Uh, Goodwin was, was his pressure release wide receiver last year. You don't know if Fournette's going to come back. Uh, Evans his tweaked his, his his legs. So if they pull it off this year, it's going to be a major surprise. I think the fact that them playing 21 games last year kind of wore them out. And, and I don't, I mean, Brady's doing a great job. And if they win the Super Bowl this year, just, you know, go ahead and crown him. I mean, go ahead and put him in the hall of fame now while he's playing. But, uh, these bucks don't look as good. And uh, I think they're going to have to get past some combination of a Cowboy team that they barely beat at home when they were healthy at the beginning of the year. A Packers team that's running the ball so much better. A Rams team that looks like they're starting to figure it out. And a dangerous 49er team. If, if, if Trey Lance takes over at quarterback, I think the 49ers are a better team. So, you know, Brady still... You know, I don't see any drop off, but uh, I don't. I just don't see them making the Super Bowl. What do you think I'm about the t- Bengals upsetting the Chiefs last weekend? Well, other than that questionable last minute, they're still going forward on fourth down. Uh, you know, that, that was some strange play calling. You know, all they had to do was take three knees, kick field goal, win the game. So, you know, the Bengals' league game management is not as bad as the Cowboys. But, uh, I mean, that, that's a team that's the only question I have about the Bengals is, is their defense. I mean, the connection between Jamar Chase and, and the quarterback is just truly amazing. Uh, they got deep running backs. 
they've got depth. Uh, I'm just, you know, their coach, who, believe it or not, was the Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati offensive coordinator only four years ago. Zach Taylor hasn't coached a playoff game yet. So I'm going to have to, uh, something I've got to watch. I mean, if they match up now, the way it's set up now is they would play the Colts. Uh, I would give the Colts, uh, particularly with Taylor and his running attack, uh, I would give them the advantage. Plus, they have the experience of being in the playoffs last year. I don't Bingles know. Bengals are a pleasant surprise. Carson Bengals Wentz. Are a pleasant surprise. Do you really trust in Carson Wentz not to blow it? No, I, I trust Taylor <laughs> to run the ball. Uh, that's a team built to play in, in poor weather. I mean, that was a miracle play that the Raiders beat them on last year. Let's let's give credit to the Raiders, too, because that's a team that the best wide receiver killed a woman and will never play football again. Their coach, because of things he said on email 10 years ago, had to quit in the middle of the year. They've lost their, their best receiver, Rich Waller, the tight end. Their best wide receiver now is Hunter Renfro, who was a walk-on at Clemson. You know, Rich Basalia, who is their head coach now, and you could ask 100 people who the head coach of the Raiders was right now, and they couldn't tell you. Uh, you know, you got to kind of root, root for the Raiders. They've gone through the season. They've gone through to make the playoffs. It's truly amazing. Yeah, that's it is interesting. I think Derek Carr is a quality guy. I don't know if he's a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's a quality guy through all of this, and I do root for them to some degree. Um, they're not the Raiders of old. Um, they're sort of an underdog story, and I like that, but uh, I've been watching a lot of college football, and yes, I will go there. Everybody knows if they listen to this podcast, I'm a Michigan fan, and Michigan got their tails whooped by Georgia. And, um, you know, as Harbaugh said, we didn't play our best game, but they played their best game. Do you think Georgia played their best game against Michigan of the year? Offensively, yes. Uh, I think. Yeah, defensively, they've been this good all year. I still, even though they are the three-point favorite, I would Rat still... Rat poison, buddy. Rat take, poison. Yeah, I'm taking Alabama. Listen, uh, you, Coach has got seven championships. Saban's been in seven of the last nine national championship games. Lost two. They've been in the college in this format every year. I mean, Saban has a way of, of, of you now they've lost their best receiver. But, you know, I got to take Bama. I mean, I'm, you can't go wrong going with uh, Coach Saban. And while I'm at it, let me get a time for me to rant. Kurt Herbstreit, okay? Uh, this junk about. Players don't love football anymore because <laughs> uh, some guys decided to uh, set out the Rose Bowl. He was specifically talking about Ohio State. Okay. Okay. First of all, this is a guy who gets the only private plane that ESPN has. A guy whose salary is over a million dollars a year paid by ESPN. If a player 
does not want to risk his future earnings by playing in a meaningless, and since we have a championship series, bowl games are a meaningless game, so be it. But don't say, after these guys invest as much time and energy to play college football, they don't love it. You know, when scholarships start being guaranteed for five years instead of one year, yes, athletic scholarships are year to year. Then players have the control and the ability to determine their fates. But right now, they're not getting paid by the colleges. They're going to get paid by the pros. They want to set out a half-field bowl game and take a risk or a chance on making money in the future. I'm all for it. That's why I love the transfer portal. You see, players Herb, can do this. Herb Street's out of touch, man. See, we're not. We understand still. See. Yes, yes. Even the fact we're twice as old as him, but go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Herb Street, I think, is 50? He's in his early 40s, I believe. No, I'm no, trying no. to remember what he played in the 90s, right? No, no. We'll have to look that up. Get our stats department, stat boy right, on it right. a little bit. Get our uh, stat boy on it. Yeah. So, um, definitely, I agree with you that Alabama was Satan, I mean, Saban, just he just has a way he can change coaches. He can change players. He has a way of managing and not only the kids emotions, but getting it down to the details a lot like Belichick that um, just do your job, break it down, have good plans. He said on the interview that Auburn was a defining moment this year and they came pretty close to losing to Auburn. Um, So I should have lost. lost Yeah. I mean, who should be the coach of the year? Sure, Harbaugh won it with a team was not even ranked in the top 25. And I remember at the beginning of the year, Ernest, I grumbled about that. And you said, oh, look at the year they had last year. Um, but who should have coach of the year if it isn't Harbaugh? Well, everybody's going to say Cincinnati coach. Finkle. Finkle. Luke Finkle. Finkle, yeah. Finkle, who looks a lot like... Uh, uh, British comedian Steve uh, Coogan. I can't remember his name. Yes, it looks like Steve Coogan. Coogan. Um, Coogan's going to get it. I mean, Harbaugh did a great job. No, Harbaugh already but, got uh, it, man. It should have been. It should have been Cincinnati coach. Yeah. But yeah, you know, what good is that? I mean, what was it? Is there stretching the NBA like five straight years? The previous coach of the year got fired. I mean, those things. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, colleges don't hire you for your coach of the year awards. So those, you know, those are nice. They're debated, but they're not really that question. And uh, Herb Street is 52 years old. 52? I told you he was over 50. See? See? Yeah. He's lost yeah. touch, man. He's out of touch. Yeah. Two yeah, of his- I mean, uh, yeah, I, I was speaking to an Oklahoma fan over the uh, holidays and she was very upset about the players leaving. And I, I said, you realize, and I could just said it earlier, you know, those scholarships aren't guaranteed. They're year to year. And if players have, if coaches have that freedom to leave, why shouldn't players? And I'm all for player empowerment at the college level, be that college basketball. And they're finally getting or, money. They're getting yeah. image money. Yeah. Um, uh, the former uh, Gene Chiswick was complaining today because uh, 
the starting offensive line for the University of Tennessee is guaranteed $50,000 a year in IF money. Wow. And I go, hey, I don't begrudge anyone monetizing. And, and you know, they don't want the players to monetize, but they do the same thing with the bowl games. If you watch the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl, that was a three-hour infomercial. Yeah, they used okay, mayonnaise I, in ways I really wish I hadn't seen. Yeah, go and explain more about Oreo crackers and mayonnaise than the South Carolina and North Carolina game. I, mean, I know, the game that was, was embarrassing. But that's the way bowl games are trying to monetize themselves now. And when you watch one, the sponsor does all the commercials and the, they do this. Infra- it's it's uh, half infomercial for who's sponsoring the bowl. The other half is a travel log for wherever it's located. Right, right. If you could and, pick and one but, bowl to travel to, where would you go? Oh, you got to say the Rose Bowl. I mean, the granddaddy of them all. Hawaii Bowl? I mean, Come on, man. Wouldn't you want to go to Hawaii? Uh, and sit with 3,000 people in a 30,000 seat <laughs> stadium on Christmas. And it's always on Christmas Eve, too. Remember that. Now the Rose Bowl. I mean, I grew up when there were four bowl games. The Rose, the Cotton, the Sugar, and the Orange Bowl before this proliferation. Do you know they created a bowl this year so that every team was eligible could play? And then they wound up canceling four and then moving two teams too. And then they brought in Rutgers to play in the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest. I know, five and seven. seven Rutgers. It's, It's money. It's money. It's why we got so many bowl games. All right, say the famous and, two words. Every podcast, do you say these? Uh, uh, filthy lucre. Mucho dinero. Filthy lucre. I mean, it's the majority of them are half-filled. The only one that I saw completely filled outside of the two semifinals was the Rose Bowl. All the other ones, you have a smattering of people in the upper deck. And uh, the, the Bahamas Bowl is worse. There were more people running on the track than sitting in the stand. <laughs> like a high school game. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, enough about football. We'll go on to some other sports because, you know, this is a pretty good time of year for sports. And and we will try to hope and pray that the Omicron vi- variant does not get too crazy. But um, your beloved NBA welcomed some people back this week or are going to welcome. You have... Kyrie and Clay, starting with the K's. Which one are you more excited to have come back to the NBA? Uh, Thompson, obviously. I mean, he hasn't played in two years. I want to see, because he tore up both Achilles. I want to see what he's Whoa, 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 whoa. Ernest, too. You want him to get yeah. injured again? No, no, no. I think it's miraculous that he'll be able to play. That's what I'm interested in. Kyrie only is playing in the away games, some away games. He can't play in any California away games. He can't go to Toronto. I mean, he's going to get load management. He doesn't expect it. Yeah, I don't have much sympathy for him. I really don't. And But Clay, I do. Here's a guy who's worked on his craft. He can shoot like crazy, but will his legs hold up over the next half of a year? Yeah, but he's joining the team with the best record in the NBA. Yep, yep, yep. So that's so, got to help. Yeah. 
And uh, LeBron, at age 37, put up 41 points the other night. Is he going to make it until his son is in the NBA? I know that's supposedly one of his goals. Yeah, someone will pick him up. It may not be the Lakers. Yeah, they'll do that. You know, it may not be a... He'll never play another championship game again. He'll never be the finals again. I guarantee you that. His days of getting rings are over. Unless... Unless he agrees to come off the bench for some tape. No. He's in L.A. Going to ride that with his son and then retire. Well, yeah, there's a draft. His son gets drafted. It'd be interesting to see if he has any pull to lower the uh, draft age so his son could get in a year earlier. Yeah. I don't know. He does look pretty ripped on the commercials for... It's not Peloton. It's uh, some other exercise on the wall computer that's supposed to help you you know something costs like five grand to help you exercise but he's 37 years old now yeah and and if you've seen any laker games they look like they're walking in mud they don't play defense i mean it's it's going to be difficult for them to win something all right and your tar heels beloved tar heels in college basketball they started out pretty hot. Do you think they can keep it up for the rest of the year? Well, one of my Christmas presents is I will be going with my two sons to see them play Virginia this Saturday. This Saturday. Nice. Will you be nosebleed area or will you be down so you can see their numbers? Well, about five rows. About five rows from the top. I mean, from the, you know, from the, Go in the upper deck, five rows up. Yeah, my that's not too bad. Hey, I can't complain with Santa Claus. He treated me pretty good with that. That was part of my Christmas. I'm taking it's my son's birthday. Yeah, I'm taking David so, to a Rutgers game. My son, uh, Michigan against Rutgers in February. So all right, and we have a date to all go see Michigan and Carolina in Charlotte uh, next <laughs> December. I don't know. Michigan's too young. I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off this year. It's December. It's another year. You don't know who's coming in. Yeah. This is a wide open year. Uh, I, every time I say a team's the best team that I've seen, I thought Purdue was the best. They've lost twice. <coughs> Excuse me, Paul. Excuse me. <coughs> I've caught your cold. That's right. He caught it through the phone. Uh, by the way, folks, yeah. we're doing a different recording setup today because Skype was just difficult. I guess we didn't get Skype a Christmas gift, so we're calling phone to computer, and so I'll try to tweak it, Ernest, to give you the James Earl Jones version of your voice, but we'll see what I can do. Yeah, I'm starting to sound like um, I've been uh, listening to the autobiography of uh, Mel Brooks, and Mel's got kind of a, his voice is definitely weak, but he is 96 years old, so that's, I'm starting to sound a little bit like Mel. And folks, extent. if you know who Mel Brooks is, please send us an email. Oh, come on. We'll tell you what movies he made. Uh, Robin, Hood, uh, Robin Hood was that well, almost 20 years ago. Okay, sorry about that. He is doing History of the World Part 2. All right, so we've done Ooh, sports. Uh, Let's get to some uh, movies, because Ernest is our resident movie critique, and we'll tell you... Some of these may have some movie spoilers, so we'll Uh-oh. we'll give you a five second delay um, before we get into our three second delay before we get into some of these movies. All right, Ernest. I'll try and talk around things. 
I think most of these are already known already, though. All right. Spider-Man, Long Way Home. All right. Three, have, have, two, have you seen one. It? I have not seen it. Okay. So I don't, you don't want me to ruin it for you, do you? Well, reality is I'm working in the hospital. I'm not supposed to be in crowds right now. I'm working, working, working. So I'm not going to see it until uh, it comes out. I think everybody knows now that, uh, and Doctor Strange is not in it that much, as you think. Pleasantly surprised. Uh, all the villains come in. Lord bless uh, de-aging technology for movies. Can that work in real life? Look, can it help me not look so old? I hope so. I think Melinda looks the same as he did 25 years ago. The guy who plays and Doc Ock. Doc Ock. And Lindo has always looked wrinkly, so he doesn't really age as the Green Goblin. They bring them all back. Uh, Sandman, all of them, and uh, everybody knows by now, because it's pretty much out in the open. Uh, the other two Spider-Men come back and they're in it a lot longer than you think. They are really the last half hour of the movie. And Tobey Maguire, I really missed him as Spider-Man. I have to say, I think, and, and that this is maybe my age, Tobey Maguire is always my favorite Spider-Man. I know a lot of people uh, like Holland and like Garfield, but I tend to always like them. And Tobey Maguire now is 52 years old. He's the oldest person to play Spider-Man. So they make him look young but, again, like they were when they originally oh yeah, played him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they de-age him. Uh, there is a big plot twist in the middle. Uh, there are, if you go see it, there are two after credit scenes. One that settles them out of the other, which is a commercial for the next Marvel movie, which is Doctor Strange in the multi-universe of madness. But it's the second highest uh, 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 money-producing movie ever, just behind Endgame. It made a billion dollars in less than a week. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Which basically the Marvel theory is bring in a lot of superheroes and you can link up and make the money because that's what they definitely do. Uh, I enjoyed it. I hey, three Spider-Mans uh, for the price of one. Hey, Yeah, I, I think it's one of the top five Marvel movies. Five or six, I would say. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Um, maybe, maybe Captain I mean, America, I, the first one. Ooh, wow. That may be my favorite. Very patriotic, very, you know, Quality guy goes from a runny guy with courage to a strong guy with courage, too. Um, yeah. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one for me, uh, close second was uh, Thor Ragnarok. But Guardians of the Galaxy, my, definitely my favorite. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So that's that's my favorite. I just gave you, said, hey, I get you three or four. But, uh, and I underratedly, I liked Iron Man 3 of all the Iron Man. Huh. I don't know why. But I enjoy it quite a bit. I love Shane Black, who was the director of that. He's done a lot of good movies in that respect. But uh, did I did I review Ghostbusters before we took our delay? No, you, we. I know you went to see Ghostbusters, but tell us about it. Okay, Ghostbusters. If you know, 
told my sister I felt like it was 1999 because I saw Matrix, Ghostbusters, and Spider-Man. Uh, Ghostbusters is very, very nostalgia-based. If you enjoyed the first two movies and did not like the women's version, you'll love this. All right, baby. It is a, it's, um, it's a lovingly written movie to the original Ghostbusters one in particular. Uh, you may tear up. It is definitely worth seeing. Not as good as Spider-Man, but very, very good. Next movie, I got two more, three more, two more, two more, three more, uh, three more. Uh, next movie is, uh, I already mentioned it already, Matrix Resurrection. And I love the way they handle this movie is uh, Mr. Anderson now, Neo, is a game creator in San Francisco. And he's being pressured by Warner Brothers to produce a fourth Matrix game. And if he doesn't do it, uh, Warner Brothers is going to do it without him. He produced the first three Matrix movies. Kind of tongue-in-cheek because Warner Brothers wanted to do the Matrix movie. And uh, Liz Waskowski and, uh, did not want to do it. So they kind of made a little satire on it. This is not the beginning of a trilogy. This is a one-and-done movie. A lot of it is uh, throws a little shade at the movie-making business. But I was for a movie that's uh, been 20 years since this last uh, in, uh, example, I thought it was done very, very well. So I loved Magic's Resurrection. Not as good as Ghostbusters, not as good as uh, Spider-Man, but very enjoyable. How did uh, Reeves look? Did he look old and tired or like John Wick or what? Hey. The only reason, he, the only way he looked uh, old is when he was back in the real world and he shaved his head. You can see the gray. <laughs> but when he's in the Matrix, he looks amazingly young. But he always does. I mean, it's he never ages. That's the Keanu Reeves thing that he always looks young. And and uh, again, people talk about how accessible he is, how nice he is. Uh, you know, he, like I said, they. They really crafted that movie very, very well. It could have been a train wreck. It could have been a mess, but I thought they did a pretty good job with it. So if you've, never, special effects, if you've never seen a Matrix yeah. movie, would you enjoy this? I think you would. I think you could pick up on it. Uh, of the three movies I've mentioned, uh, probably Spider-Man would be the easiest. No, no, no. There's a lot of backstory to that. This would probably, Matrix would probably be the easiest to pick up on. If you hadn't seen any of the Matrix movies, you could figure this out pretty easily. Spider-Man, you've got to at least seen some of it. I mean, for the basic reason to enjoy the other two Spider-Man and Ghostbusters, because they bring back the original Ghostbusters, you, you've got to have a past history. And it refers to the first movie quite a bit. So, surprisingly, of the three, The Matrix would be the easiest to pick up on. Hmm. Now, is there a fourth movie? Yes, uh, Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix, which is Adam McKay's uh, attempt at satire. Uh, It basically is a comedy about a comet coming to destroy the world, and the federal government and the public in general just ignore it. It was written because uh, an advisor to Bernie Sanders was talking about 
the environmental situation that people don't take uh, global warming and climate change seriously because it's not like a comet they could see hitting the Earth. But it really works as a satire of uh, the pandemic. But it's not subtle. It is blunt and a little bit, not a little bit, a whole lot over the top. Uh, Stars galore. There are some hilarious parts. They have a Today Show where they're interviewing uh, alleged killer Michelle Wee. Let that sink in for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) The golfer. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, very blunt and it's a little over the top. And if you don't accept the pandemic or climate change, you're not going to like this. <laughs> you're going to say this is liberal America. So I warn you ahead of time. There are some funny parts to it, but it kind of paints itself in the corner where you're not going to have an uplifting ending. So that's the uh, least Bruce, one of the four you'd see. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis is not going to save the day at the end of this movie, okay? Oh, I'm just warning you right now, okay? And last, but not least, is The King's Man. Uh, if you'd seen the first two Kingsman movies, they were kind of uh, over-the-top satire and spies. And violent. Kind of like... And yeah, like... Like in like Flynn, you know, that type of, from the 60s. This is entirely different. Uh, Ray Fiennes is the star. Uh, it's set in World War One. It's the beginning of the Kingsman. And it's based on the Zimmerman telegram. Are you familiar with the Zimmerman telegram? No, I'm not. Okay. After Russia pulled out of World War One, due to the Russian Revolution and the execution of the Tsar's family, Germany, their Secretary of State, Zimmerman, sent a telegram to Mexico saying, Mexico, if you join uh, Germany and invade the U.S., this was before the U.S. had joined the war, but were providing supplies for England, because England now was on their own fighting against Germany, that if Mexico would uh, attack America uh, before America joined the war, they would promise them Texas, Mexico, and Arizona to be repatriated. Now, remember, this was five years after General Pershing attacked Veracruz to rescue some American citizens who had been kidnapped by uh, uh, Mexican revolutionaries. So that really happened. That's the basis of the movie. There is some fiction put in. But uh, it has a big plot twist in the middle. But all in all, was probably better than I anticipated. So I would say, yeah. So that's uh, four thumbs up and kind of a middling hand. Eh, come see, come saw, as the French say, or don't look up. But uh, I've got all my movie going out of the way, so to speak. And uh, some surprisingly good movie. Mm-hmm. Three of which were sequels. But, you know, usually people say sequels aren't that good. These were well done. And again, the technology of uh, being able to reproduce people that are dead and to de-age people is, is truly fascinating. It, you know, actors are worried about it, but I think within 15 to 20 years, you're going to see movies by John Wayne. You're going to see movies by Bing Crosby. You're going to see dead people perform in movies. I think the technology is there to do this. Mm. Scary as that can be. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're already trouble distinguishing reality from non-reality, so we're going to add to it. So how nice. That's good. So let's wrap this baby up with some predictions because we like to do predictions. Okay, Ernest, get back to the Super Bowl. We're a little bit closer now. We're almost to the playoffs. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Okay, I can't steer away from what I told you in August. Derrick Henry's coming back, and the two teams I picked have the number top two seeds. So I'm sticking with Tennessee and Green Bay. And I see Aaron Rodgers is going to win his second Super Bowl. That delineates the difference between him and Brett Favre. And then he'll ride off to Pittsburgh or Denver, somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still sticking with those. I mean, Tennessee, Derrick Henry has already almost got 1,000 yards, and he hasn't played in six weeks. Uh, and they talk about him coming back. They get the bye. And and I think the bye makes a big difference. That's two wins from the Super Bowl. So I'm still sticking with that. I don't know if I'm dogmatic or just stubborn or just dumb, but I'm sticking with Tennessee and Green Bay. How about me to really dogs? answer that question if you're dogmatic, no, stubborn, really. or dumb? That was, that was rhetorical. <laughs> okay, about. all right. Um, I just want to show off my vocabulary. Yeah, I just, Your pick. My pick. Um. I don't think Tennessee's going to get there. I don't think they have enough pieces to get there. I think it's going to be a State Farm Super Bowl with Kansas City winning it. Um, that's what I, I think. That's what we thought. That's what we all thought last year. Remember? Uh, I guess I'm stubborn, uh, a little dumb, and <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's what I'm going for. I think you know Kansas City put, pulled off a good winning streak there, and they should have won this last weekend. I think they're going to pull it together. And then finally, the um, enemy, the uh, offensive coordinator, will get a head coaching job at the Raiders or someplace like that. So I hear a lot of rumors. I, I, the coach they've got's done a pretty good job. Yeah, I, think I know there's a danger in giving assistants jobs sometimes. I, it's you got uh, Jacksonville's going to be looking for a coach. Denver and Carolina may be looking for coaches. I think Chicago will be looking for a coach. Uh, Giants are probably going to be looking for a coach. There's going to be a lot of openings up there. Yeah, Seattle may be looking for a coach. Yeah, that's really going to be interesting. How do you see that shaking out for Carroll and for Wilson? You think Carroll's going to retire? Uh, one of them would be gone. Maybe both of them. Down here in my neck of the woods, we hear a lot about Wilson to Carolina. Well, he played at North Carolina State for a while. Yeah, but he's going from one bad offensive line team to another bad offensive line team. He really is – there's nobody really outstanding in the draft. Uh, How about Pittsburgh welcoming Russell Wilson? I I still think that's where Rodgers is going to go. I really do. If you if you were if you were Aaron Rodgers, let's say he's going to leave Green Bay, that's a big if. Denver or Pittsburgh, where are you going? Oh, Pittsburgh every time. Yeah, I mean, Watts probably going to break Strahan's record for sacks this week, and see, he doesn't have to face Favre for Favre to fall down and give him that ass. Oh, yes, there we go. Conspiracy, 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 conspiracy dot com. There you go. Uh, I mean, he's he's had a great. I mean, he's going to be fascinating. He'll he'll be the only brother combination that were defensive players of the year. 
Pretty nice. Can you imagine Rodgers at Pittsburgh? They would be a Super Bowl contender in a heartbeat. Well, Ernest, before but, we wrap, know, we're going to wrap, wrap it up pretty soon, but I'd be a myth dismiss, a missed, I can't talk anymore. I would regret if we didn't right. talk about John Madden before we sign off tonight. Um, let's do a yeah. final couple good minutes on John Madden and then call it a night. So what do you think? Your favorite John Madden memory, or what did you l- like about John Madden? There are only three announcers or groups of announcers that I turned on games just to hear in my lifetime. Uh, one was, was uh, Billy Packer and Al McGuire. Uh, on NBC doing college basketball game. The other was Howard Cosell. And Cosell was uh, Packer and, and McGuire kind of divided, you know, the audience liked one or the other. Cosell divided the crowd. You either loved him or hated him. But you had to listen to him. Madden was loved by everyone. There was a guy who had three careers. Uh, has the highest winning percentages of college as high school as a excuse me professional football coach of all time, Super Bowl victor. Proceeds to become an announcer for CBS. By the way, he's the only person ever to do color commentary for all four networks: CBS, NBC, ABC, and uh, uh, is concerned because he can't fly the plane, so they give him a bus redefines color commentary, demystifies football, makes it accessible to everybody. He is approached by a video game company who wants to do a seven-on-seven football game. He says, no, this is going to be real football. I'm not putting my name on it unless it's 11-on-11. He also said, if a player gets a concussion on the game, they've got to be removed from the game. It's going to be realistic. You have kids under the age of 30, and yes, everybody under the age of 30 is a kid to me, who know him only as the video game. It's been over 10 years since they announced the last game, which was the Pittsburgh-Arizona Super Bowl. Uh, He was a pitchman busting through the screen for Miller Lite. He was in... uh, Movies, The Little Giants. He became as big as football as anybody. On the Mount Rushmore of the NFL, you have Johnny Unitas, Pete Rosell, Papa Alice, and John Matt. They represent the NFL. He Invested and um, he invested his time and effort, loved the game, and loved life. He was a wine connoisseur. He was a gourmand. He was a literary. The reason he took a bus because John Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie was his favorite book at college. He had a master's degree in education. He was probably the most American of any man in the 20th century. Wow, we should make a movie of him now. I mean, 
Yeah. The thing that sometimes I'm glad you talked about the master's degree because he would go boom, bam, look what happened. He would make it so simple, but he was so genuinely excited that sometimes people thought he was not as smart as he was. But the smartest thing he did was really care about people. And time after time, people don't tell the stories like what he taught me in football. It's more of how he made them feel that he was always excited to see people. He cared about people. In this neck of the woods, we recognize that his grandson is a walk-on, preferred walk-on at U of M. And when uh, Michigan had that glorious win over Ohio State, he texted Jim Harbaugh and just you know, congratulated him. You know, class act. And Al Michaels, the famous announcer who's been around with a lot of different uh, color commentators, and Al Michaels has a little ego himself. He just said the eight years or seven years he did with um, – John Madden with Monday Night Football went like that. He said, like a snap. They were so great. They were so good. He was a natural with anybody he worked with. Does that tell you how great he is? Like, he always made other people better. And some of the old clips with him and Summerall, Pat Summerall, are just just that he got it. He understood how people clicked. And he wasn't a pretty guy. He wasn't, uh, the, you know, the strongest, the tallest. But he just was a down-to-earth, like you said, all-American guy. Um, so our hats off to John Madden. And for Ernest, any last things that you prepared for tonight before we sign off? Uh, the last little trivia is that uh, you spoke of tying this together. Al Michaels is the only person to work with Howard Cosell and John Madden. Uh, and gets the connective tissue of it. I mean, it, it's, it was when he passed, when John Madden passed, it was like a member of the family. It truly was. Because, again, uh, I've admired the Raiders. He's probably he's the only coach to leave the Raiders, leave Al Davis on good terms. I do know that. <laughs> That's amazing within itself. Um, we're a society that loves to tear people down. We like to find the dirty little details. There are industries geared towards that. No one, no one has anything bad to say about John Madden. Wouldn't that be a wonderful obituary for any of us? Is when we leave this earth and no one can say anything bad about us. Uh, He got the opportunity to watch the special on Christmas Day before he passed and commented on it. Uh, Again, uh, he's it's one of those rare people that stand out beyond the sport that he represents. Yeah. And I'll, I'll remember, always remember all the hours I spent playing the Madden games with my son. Uh, and a lot of fathers are out there thinking, and sons, you know, thanks, John Madden. You know, you're connected with a lot of great thoughts. All right, Ernest, this is wraps up for tonight. We thank all our listeners. Sorry, folks, we've been off for several weeks. We'll try... Our best to stay healthy and provide more podcasts. We're on sportscountry.net, or you can download us on iTunes Podcasts, or uh, also on Amazon Podcasts, all over the place. So if any comments, questions, concerns, complaints, movie reviews, or if you just want to send us money, uh, just email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. For Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Good night. Good night.